Hi, I'm Maeve Doyle, and you're listening to A Private View. On today's show, we have Jess Felice. Her show, Human, opened at Carl Costiel on Savile Row last night, and uh, the first thing you notice when you look at her paintings are the eyes, these huge, heavy-lidded pools of, of emotion and expression, uh, sometimes weary, sometimes insightful, and... Uh, Sometimes you feel they're holding down more than what you see, which I'm hoping we'll get to. They're moody, they're individualistic, and they're striving to fit into a setting. Hi, Jess. Welcome to A Private View. Hi. Thank you for having me. Jess, your show, Human at Carl Costiel Gallery, uh, is overwhelming. I've been a few times, even though it only opened last night, and uh, I've gone with different people. And the effect of the figurative work you do... Uh, changes the way people are in themselves. Uh, I know that you're, you've come to the world of painting in an indirect route, and I want to start with asking you a little bit about your background, who you are, how you would describe yourself, and, and how you started painting these incredibly emotive canvases that, to me, seem genre-defying. Yeah. Well, um, I've always drawn. Like, as a kid, I would just draw all the time. And... Um, I was just so passionate about it and I had so much fun trying to recreate something as as well as I could. Um, but I I stopped studying uh, art or stopped not practicing at all, just always always practicing art, but I um, was told I couldn't study art in school, in college after high school. So um, by by my, my parents, just like Yeah, they no, weren't just artists. Practical. Well, yeah. Actually they they were, but they um, they didn't end up pursuing that as much my dad was a rock star <laughs> my dad was a drummer um an awesome band it's called index it's so good yeah um and my mom was like a thespian she uh she loved theater she wanted to be a stage manager and she always sings theater songs all the time she's yeah she's cute like that but they uh they worked in um sales for so long and they found that to be practical and they love that they can win and go on trips and you know, they kind of wanted that for us, too, because they enjoyed it so much. Yeah. So they said, get a stable job that pays money. You don't have to worry about the yeah. creative process. Like, go so study cre- communications and uh, business and stuff like that. And um, so it was also disappointing when I decided I wanted to study science. I wanted to study neuroscience. And they're like, no, <laughs> like, no art or neuroscience. But in the end, it, it worked out. I think they're proud. This neuroscience thing is something that makes people stop because before you arrived at your opening last night uh, the the man the painter who runs the studio you're part of was telling me that you were in neuroscience and I found that it was a way of entering into your figurative work because there is something really well observed about your slightly surreal portraits so that this is where they def- they kind of confuse me because they're not one thing or another um, so neuroscience, let's talk about that. What was interesting to you about it? Obviously, the human condition. Everything was kind of interesting about it. I think that what fascinated me the most in the beginning was that it's a science that people... That neuroscience and physics are probably the most important sciences because we really just don't know half of what's going on there. You know what I mean? It's just so vast, and I was so I, I was so excited to be a part of something that could we can learn more in that field and neuroscience was personal to me that I wanted to do that pursue that um 
So that's what I, I went for to learn about the brain. But you didn't keep going. I didn't keep going. I loved it so much. I still love it. And I still catch up on, you know, what's going on the latest, etc. But um, it got to a certain point where if I continued, I would have no time to paint. And I was at that time painting in between when the time that I had to paint. Um, so oh, interesting. The, the so painting was happy. a hobby in yeah. a sense like you in in the way we kind of compartmentalize our life this isn't what you do for money this will be what you do for money and so there was a shift of priorities yeah yeah it, it became that i was like you know in times that i was kind of bored or i couldn't figure out this math and whatever i was doing i just i would look at articles on like vulture like jerry saltz's latest review of something and i i would think like oh like, you know, if I'm putting all of this effort into like neuroscience, which I'm not the greatest student ever, you know, I wasn't the best, um, you know, if I'm putting all this effort into this to literally do neuroscience and be a brain surgeon, I could probably do that into painting. I could probably apply that. So I dropped out of school. And I've heard stories that you sent an email. I, I had moved back to where I grew up, not with my parents, but, um, a friend and where was that where did you grow up I grew up in Woodland Hills in in California Los Angeles and uh, went to Santa Barbara for school came back and lived with um, at the time my best friend's dad uh, Jeff awesome person supported me so much in art it was so cool I was working at so many different jobs for like a year and then um, one day I'm hanging out with my friend on like the trampoline in the backyard and I see like Canyon posts on Instagram and overflowing trash can on, yeah, just on his story. Yeah. And so I respond to it. I'm like, like, should I respond and say like, hey, I'll work for you if you just teach me some stuff. He's like, yeah, do it. So I do. I say, I'll clean your studio however many times you want, whatever. And if you could just teach me how to, some tips for becoming an artist because I don't want to go to art school. Um, I mean, I've tried. My mom took me around to all these different art schools to maybe go, and I... Uh, it's expensive. It's expensive. And maybe you just get taught what other people know. Yeah. And this thing Canyon casted or put together, this studio, when I, he told me about it last night, it was like some mecca for artists who actually teach each other. I did go to art school, and I think the thing that stands out the most is the other students you meet who are aspiring artists. So you started working at the studio? Uh, yeah, I worked at his in his studio, and at that time that I worked there it was like 2017, I believe. Um, it was a, a five-story building in downtown LA. In downtown LA, and like right in Skid Row, and every floor of the building was sweatshops. Even his, but he had a space private. He and his father uh, had a space to to work. But you know, I'd walk up, go up every day past the sweatshops and work for him and it wasn't until two years after that he started building them out when their leases the sweatshops leases were up he and his dad were just like we're buying this out we're going to build studios so i was one of the first to be in a studio space an artist-run studio in los angeles that actually is a place that all the galleries and dealers are watching oh people are there all the time and so you started painting from the studios and talking to other artists and moving your career forward that way. Oh, yeah. The, the four of us or the first five of us that came in. Yeah, it was just a, a beautiful friendship. And we just all helped each other a lot. And there's 30 artists there now? Yeah, or more than that. There's two buildings now. So, you know, so many. The huge community. 
through my whole life. If people haven't seen your work and they have a chance to look at it online, you'll see uh, the, the, the way Jess is talking about people and community and the jobs and the people who helped her and, and music and her parents is uh, reflective of this amazing empathy for the human condition that comes across when you're standing in front of her canvases. Uh, it's an empathy that I think, if I'm seeing your paintings correctly, extends to every interaction you have with people in life. Uh, and that's got to be rewarding and exhausting at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially the questions of, <laughs> you know, like, like, what does it mean? <laughs> yeah, what's the purpose of life? Are we here for a reason? Do you mm. believe in God? Is there an afterlife? <laughs> yeah, it's and, all the same question. And honestly, when I look at the paintings and I see the big eyes and maybe the, the discolored ears and how what you see and what you hear isn't the same, and I think of... Uh, De Kiriko at the same time I think of Peter Saul and I'm seeing something different because there's a muted palette there's a symbolism in the way you create your portraits or do your figurative work because things are out of proportion but they look right so the ears are way too big and the eyes are way too big and we were talking today uh, with a client who was looking at your work and I'm like maybe she's suggesting that what you see and what you hear are different I like that I like that a lot I I mean it's something that I enjoyed exploring was manipulating the features like that. And uh, I, I looked into it like that. Sometimes the ear kind of looks suggestive to be a different part of the, the body. I'll just say that. Um, and uh, I, I liked that suggestion and also just the eyes just being so, so big and kind of not being just the gateway, whatever, to the soul as uh, people make the big eyes to be. But, you know, it's... Um, it's just like, I don't know, it's supposed to be the middle finger, right? That's what I, I kind of hope for always and look for in work is like, where's the middle finger? So I, I was hoping that the large features would be big middle fingers as well. Um, as like conveying being swollen. Yeah, swollen people. The eyes also look like a shield that kind of keep you out of the soul area, too. And the ears look like they're, uh, I don't know, bodyguards or something. I don't know. It's really wonderful the way it plays. I, and I was thinking of, uh, I mean, we kind of got to when you realized you were going to leave neuroscience and be an artist. But what's that, what's that journey been like? Because from what I can tell and, and what I heard from people who know you, because I did some digging around <laughs> your rise uh -oh. has your rise and the amount of shows you've had in a short period of time has been fast it, last year was really intense a show in milan that sold out yeah i had four solo shows last year and i don't i could try and count how many group shows right now just at the top of my head i really couldn't even think about it how do you Over make five. that much work no clue but you don't you don't know what to really do with yourself when you're done you know all i think about when i'm done is like the doing the next like keeping going even if i'm just out of ideas i just gotta you have to keep going or else you you we're not human anymore <laughs> what do you read what do you listen to what do you do when you're not painting clearly you study people yeah i mean I, uh, when i'm not painting when i'm not painting what am I doing? I'm hanging out with my dog. I, I really, but I do, I love reading. I mostly read, I listen to audiobooks while I paint. 
um watch a lot of movies yeah I kind of go on lots of walks <laughs> not really sure it's it's different than I'm kind of always working so is it horror what do you watch? What do you oh, read? No, no horror. What do you I don't psychological know. dramas? Berkman? Ooh, I read a lot of I've been in this like book club and reading like really girly stuff, but whatever. I just like being out of mind and seeing I just like when you're at least when I'm listening to a book or reading a book, um, I am vicariously living through the narrator, going through the story and I empathizing. Yeah, I I like the idea of becoming a different person for a moment there yeah so I listen to a lot of books while I paint I think it helps the work <laughs> and songs a lot of old country music and uh, a tribe called quest <laughs> I've been listening to that for the whole show I think what influences you <laughs> culturally artistically and 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 what's shaped your work it's figurative work but there's definitely a surreal component to it which which would make me guess that you're working from dreams as well some of them have been dreams I've had like a I did a sleep paralysis painting where I woke up from my sleep paralysis and thought there was an angel guiding me through my nightmare which I uh, thought was my dad and so I painted my dad floating through the sky that's been that before but he was just very sick and I I think I had the sleep paralysis because I was so stressed out thinking about his health and um, yeah, I woke up thinking like, why did that happen? Why did that happen? Googled it. <laughs> it's like stress related that when that happens sometimes I'm like, oh, that's why. So I imagined him like protecting me through the nightmare because, yeah. Because that's what dads do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he would. There's things that we need sometimes to help navigate us through the human condition. And I see that in your work. I see the big eyes staring out. And maybe it is like a defiant middle finger, but it's also like, come on. We're all going through this together. What is the difference? And so um, when I hear more about your personal story, I, I get why you could kind of well up with tears when you're looking at, at the characters in your portraits, in human particularly. I think that it's, you know, it's, it's human to be afraid to say anything. It's human to communicate through just this gaze. Um, and I something that I'm realizing a lot about myself is that I I don't say how I feel often and I think I just stare I think I've always done that I would just like look sometimes I scream and like get angry but that's you know, hugely powerful to just look and be afraid to say the thing I think that I've experienced uh, a lot I'm just afraid to tell, say how I feel because I think that it's not going to work out well for me and I think that a lot of my characters have that have that same face especially the guy with the glass bricks in that in that show oh he was great just like i don't want to say anything i'm just gonna sit over here and, and build bricks around like, myself like scratch the yeah he's like etching into the bricks kind of he has a little tool for that he was great yeah he's just to describe the painting there's a character behind glass bricks and he's building them up and scratching behind them exactly as you described except when you're looking at it it has a visceral effect I mean, you might be looking at it mentally, but what you're feeling is exactly what you've just described. The architecture of the world we live around and what we do with architecture to protect ourselves from connecting with other people. Why do we? Yeah, I'm guessing you're thinking about that, too. Why do we try to protect ourselves from other people if we're all kind of going through the same thing? 
it's it's always just a fear of you know obviously a fear of the unknown you don't know how someone's going to react and then if you're really afraid you just pretend like you know how they're going to react and you say nothing at all you just imagine what it might be and so you stay afraid you know i think yeah well i people just stay afraid and don't experience life and hide behind that silence yeah so there's a lot of courage in the work. And I think what you're saying with all of these changes that have happened to you is you're not afraid to put yourself out there and participate and say what you think and feel. And I'm glad you did because it opened up a lot of really interesting conversations. I'm not surprised human uh, sold out before it opened because I, those powerful human connections that are not about a computer screen or information or things that you learn or or what we all missed during the two years we were in a pandemic, just seeing other people's faces and feeling their skin and listening to their voices, not on a Zoom, but beside us. So very brave and not afraid. And it must have been strange for you last night to be around all of your portraits and people. But before I say that, it was a show that was highly populated. Or before I ask you to explain that, it was a show that was highly populated by other artists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of artists came. That was cool. That was cool. And still today, I was getting messages from artists asking, w w they wanted to come and sketch from your paintings and things. No yeah, way. yes. I, That's they so did. cool. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Yes. That's, so, that feels really good. You, you know, going back just a smidge, the, the show is so primal. And I really wanted it to be primal. Primal mixed with, you know, obviously some references to Tay, especially the trash painting and the tent, etc. But I think I'm, I'm tired of the, the references to like today so heavily in, in a lot of work. What is today? Uh, I mean, I see a lot of technology, not to like using technology for your work necessarily, but involving that as part of your piece. And I just I think I, I'm, I don't want to even look at my phone anymore. I want to stay away. I want to go outside and take in fresh air and just be a human being. And I feel like we, I think I lost a lot of that and as well as others during the pandemic too. We were just stuck, stuck on our phones, watching TV at home and not a lot of going outside and, and remembering who you are. You know, there's a facade. Maybe that happens a lot in LA as well. Yeah, but um, it's cool to think of people coming to see my work like that because I just, I love primal art. I love that people just raw and and there. Yeah, so for other people to come enjoy that, it means a lot to me. There must have been a moment, I'm going to go back, uh, circle back to another question. There must have been a moment where you had a shock and turned your life around. I mean, there must have been a moment where you did it, like, put the brakes on and went, wait a minute, I'm like, that's a big change. Jerry Saltz was reviewing this artist. And at the time, it was like, what I knew about art was jerry salts because i don't know much about the art world at all that's why he's perfect because he, he's not an elitist or a snob he can speak to everyone and he knows a lot and he's not trying to marginalize people yeah so and i i love it i loved reading his what he had to say and he talked about someone's art and he had this appreciation for it that i honestly didn't even didn't have appreciation for it i was like if he's saying this is great if he's if these people are making art like this and they're doing so well like i can do that and I got fed up, you know, it was, I had on my computer screen, like one side, my physics homework, and on the other side, the Vulture article. I was like, 
I'm in. Like, I can't do this. I'm not, I'm never going to make it if I'm so focused on being a painter or painting. Like, it's, I have to drop out. And so I did. Yeah. So what I love about what you just said is the importance of the critic in society. Jerry Saltz <laughs> is the person who pushed you forward. Jerry Saltz got me. Hit me up. But there, it is more than one thing. The artists are only a small part of the art world. There's a whole ecosystem of people who keep it going, from great galleries like the one you're at, great art critics like Jerry Saltz, for whatever reason, he's out there, he's talking about artists, um, auction houses, art fairs. How do you find the whole world around the art world? It was, it's or your so art strange. practice, it, is it? Oh, I mean, just like, in that time, like all I knew was just the, the critics. I thought the critics were the thing. Like I never, I really did not think much about how galleries work or art dealing work I, uh, would work. And um, I'm finding it scary. I'm finding it beautiful and shocking and life-changing. My life has completely changed since you know, showing my work. I, you know, I couldn't be happier about it, but it, it's, uh, I'm just, I maintain an attitude of like, no, I'm here to paint. I'm here to paint. I'm not going to stress out too much. And luckily Carl is, is great with that. I feel like I don't have to worry very much. They definitely nurture artists. Oh, he, yeah. He's got lots of love for it. And known for it. And, and yeah, I, I would say, judging by the stable of artists they have and the ones I've talked to from there, they definitely nurture artists. Yeah, which is great in a time when artists are sometimes seen as an asset class. Mm. Sorry to... No, that's true. <laughs> sorry to blame bring up that grim reality. <laughs> what artists do you like? Mm. Who do you look at? Either historically or currently or... or uh, I... I've loved Caravaggio for a very long time. Me, like, like learning how to paint was just coming home from, like, working at uh, restaurants and stuff and sitting in my little room and looking at my little Caravaggio book <laughs> that my parents got me for Christmas and just... I would try and copy it, and i just learn learn how it works. I mean, I guess like that's, that was my education. You copied Caravaggio? I would, like, I would try my best. You know, yeah, just I mean, till, yeah. Bacon did it with Velasquez and Edward Minebridge, and yeah. so I think it's a good way of. I mean, you probably would have learned that at art school, by the way. Yeah, I so kind good of. Good for you. I took one painting by Caravaggio, the the work or no, the um, the musicians by Caravaggio, and I sat in my room and I tried to understand the composition. So I kind of copied the composition in a way and just made it with my own people. And then I, I put my life in there and then I would go to this bar every night with the people that I worked with at the restaurant. And we would sit at the bar and we'd have a Modelo and a Fernet. So I decided to make the musician's painting with as a bar and it's me and the people that I work with and people working at the bar in the back just with a Fernet and a um, Modelo. And that was where I took my lessons from Caravaggio and putting it in my own life. So it's called the workers. Who else do you like? Who else? I like so many people. I like Philip Gustin. Yeah, I, like I, I saw that one right away. I'm so glad you said <laughs> it because I really like him too. I yeah. think right now, and maybe you'll see with the new painting that came in, I got really influenced recently by Heim Zutin. 
Oh, especially waiters and servers and butlers and, and all of the restaurant and hotel and service industry stuff. His paintings are amazing. Oh, my gosh. Underappreciated, definitely. Definitely. How do more people not know about Heinz 17? Influence de Kooning, influence Bacon. You know, I just went to the Bacon exhibit today. Yeah. And like, also, it was in, you know, it was in the forefront of my mind in the beginning, thinking about how I just learned that he was so influenced by Heinz 17. But, you know, obviously, Bacon is a genius and his work is different in other ways but also self-taught and self-taught but the influence of Haydn Soutin which is actually a liter literal book that my friend told me to buy the other day um, is is vast it goes everywhere just color and movement it, it's so alive but the faces are so dead not dead but just no, the you service. Don't know. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know what don't people know are behind their uniforms. Exactly. I think that's what I. That's what I've been trying to do for so long, and then recently, looking into Heim Soutine has just uh, given me a lot of. Uh, makes me feel good about what I've been doing. <laughs> I'm like trying my best to get there. Yeah. His painting is beautiful. He had a show at, at Somerset House before the everything is now before the pandemic and it, it just you just couldn't look at it enough and it was the uniforms of the people and then the expression behind the uniforms and the industry that's around who you are when you go to work and what you have to become and I can now that you've said it I can see the relationship between his work and your work so clearly even though stylistically it may look a bit different it's about the, the face you put on to greet the public and what you have to repress and hold back to continue. That makes a lot of sense. I've worked at I don't know how many restaurants, some at the same time, and I worked in a hotel once. That was strange. Um, but yeah, the, the face that you have to put on to please others is such a great way of putting it. And the way they behave when they're in those settings as though they're also putting on a role as someone who's buying your time yeah and then you put on you like look at the life of a chef and at the end of the day you know, they don't you know it's not always easy they like go home and they like or they'll get really drunk because they just had a crazy day so working in a kitchen it's nuts and then they like yeah they hurt themselves in some way but nobody nobody knows you don't always see that what do you think art's for I think that art is it's it goes beyond too many too many different needs for society you know it's aesthetically pleasing it's you know to make you think a certain kind of way sometimes it's made to make you think a certain type of way and sometimes it's literally just a diary entry that has to be let out um it could be all of the above and uh i'm not sure what it's for but i know what it does and it makes you think. So that's how I feel about it. Your work certainly opens up conversations that aren't easy to have otherwise. You might have known someone for years and you wouldn't have this kind of conversation had they not just been at your exhibition. So you fast track people who are open to it to more philosophical questions about why we are all here and what it is about and what has value and what are your principles and why are they your principles and how do you treat other people and is there an afterlife and is there an afterlife <laughs> is, is there an afterlife I don't know I want to think about that you know I especially with just the recent loss of my dad I'm thinking about it all the time and I was you know you know my dad would get mad because I'd say like I'm 
you know, agnostic, or I don't really know if I believe in anything, because he's a very Catholic guy, like Catholic Italian man, awesome. But, um, you know, with, with his passing, and now I find myself hanging out with my my Catholic-raised boyfriend, like, hey, you want to say a prayer? You know, like, should we? And uh, There's comfort in it. There's comfort. Because we really, have no rituals to, to, to help us through these difficult times. It brings so much comfort, and, and that's how I always viewed it. And I think... I wasn't a huge fan because I wanted the discomfort of, of the unknown, but there is a lot of comfort in knowing and thinking about that to be a possibility. So did you just answer the question or not? Is there one? <laughs> did uh, you just get out of the question? No, I'll just <laughs> talk to God about it later and then he'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll get back to you. <laughs> How would a child describe your paintings? Funny. I think funny. I think they'd see the one of the guy laying down in the desert watching his, his tent fly away and just look at the butt. They'd look at the butt, they'd look at the ears. The toes. And maybe they'll pull their ears a little bit, like, oh, look, I'm this painting in the eyes. Maybe. It would be playful for them. Yeah. But children are interesting. You, don't, you have no idea what to expect. That's just a general uh, idea of what a kid would do, but they can surprise you. I have no idea. If you have a chance to see Jess Van Lee's Human, it's on at Carl Costiel's gallery until the 7th of May. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. You're so wonderful. I love this. This is good. You've been listening to Maeve Doyle's Private View. I am an art critic and artistic director at Maddox Gallery. This podcast is produced by Will Fitzpatrick at Soho Radio. The music is by Cora Shidhalmi. Thank you for listening. <laughs>